about to experience. Now we know it happened 2,000 years ago, but we celebrate this week every year, right? We remember it. It would be good for each of us to walk this out this week with Him. Amen? That we might uh, experience what He experienced. But I have really... Thank you, Tom. Some people would let me remain in darkness. It had not been for the Lord Jesus Christ, I would still be in darkness. Amen? So... uh, I've I've sang the heavenly highway. He set me free since I was at liberty. But I have come to a greater appreciation of He set me free since we began to sing it again. You know why? Because literally speaking, that's what He has done for every one of us if we are followers of Christ. We were once captive to this world, we were once captives to the devil, but the strong man bound the the stronger man bound the strong man, and we have been set free. Amen. We ought to glory in that. And that's in chapter twelve, by the way. If you're uh, wondering about that, it begins in uh, oh chapters twenty two through thirty two. It talks about that. So let's go to chapter twenty one. And that's the triumphant entry. You remember what happened uh, Sunday uh, morning? What? 2,000 2000 plus years ago, he came into Jerusalem. What were all the people saying? Y'all tell tell me. Hosanna, Hosanna. Glory to God in the highest. Remember those people? You remember what those same people were doing on Thursday night? Friday morning? What were those same people saying? Crucify him, crucify him. You know what happened a week from this coming Friday? Sometime between 9 and 12 p.m., sometime 12 p.m. or so, he died on the cross. He was put in the tomb. You know what we're going to celebrate next Sunday morning? We're going to celebrate his resurrection. Turn to John chapter 11, and this is the text for next week. I was going to read it at the end of the sermon, but I'll read it now. John chapter 11, verses 25 through 27. Are y'all there? Your fingers are moving or the pages are turning one. John chapter 11, beginning in verse 25. You know the context. We'll look at it more next week. Lazarus has died. Uh... The Lord Jesus Christ has come to visit Mary and Martha. And uh, they're concerned about his resurrection. And so this is a little bit of the context. Look at verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the... Those, that's what we're looking at next week. Jesus says, I am the resurrection. Listen to this. And this will be the focus. I'm the resurrection and the... Life. So next week, you've got a little uh, a little setup for that. Now Matthew chapter twenty three. So we, we, I almost preached this when we were going through uh, Matthew chapter twenty three when we got to the all the verses about the blind guides, but uh, I, I was led to wait to today, and and I'm glad I did because I think uh, with things happening so 
If you don't know that things are happening rapidly in our society, listen, rapidly in our culture, things are happening very rapidly. And, and I'm no doomsday guy, but the Lord could come quickly. Now, after today and after next Sunday and we look at the resurrection, we're going to be looking at for several weeks about the possibility of His coming. And look, our being prepared to walk that out when it happens, regardless of the circumstances. And I just got to believe, after taking a close look at chapter 23... He was, he was telling us that, look, you better not be led astray. The time for my return is imminent, and you need to be not blind to what's going on, but you need to be ready and looking for the return of Christ. That's what we're going to begin to look at. But what I want to look at today is the damage done in this context, among the Jewish people, the damage done because they had blind spiritual leaders. Blind spiritual leaders. A.W. Pink died in 1952, and I'm going to read you a quote a little later on from A.W. Pink. But A.W. Pink said in 1952 that there were many churches being led by blind leaders. And in this context, do you, know, do you know what happened to blind leaders and blind followers? They both perished. Blind leaders and blind people perished. So there's a damage done. So you're in chapter 23 and you're in verse 1. And we'll get there in just a second. So what have we been looking at in chapter 23? Well, we began by looking at these verses that we're looking today is that these people oftentimes had the right doctrine, but they didn't live the right life. You know what you're looking for? You're looking for a church. You're looking for church leaders, pastors and elders and deacons who not only have the right doctrine, but they're living the right life. Y'all with me, church? That's why you've got to be so careful about TV preachers. Because you really have no idea of what kind of life that they're leading. So we began to look at that. Then we looked at 21 verses about eight woes that he spoke against these blind leaders and against the people. A very condemning 21 verses. Amen? We all looked at that. And then in verses 34 through 39 that we've, we've already looked at, he prophesies the destruction of Jerusalem. Do you realize that after he, after he spoke these words, within 40 years, Jerusalem was destroyed? And guess who got destroyed in that destruction? Both the followers of Christ and those who were not followers of Christ. They both suffered the destruction of Jerusalem. Look, when Christ comes back, if we're not taken out of here immediately and up to that, uh, that immediate return, look, we're going to go through some tough times. We don't want to fall away. 
We want to walk it out. So these charges that the Lord Jesus levels is against the teachers of the Jews. That's who he's talking about. What a solemn lesson is being taught here. It's a solemn lesson, not only for that day and time, but it's a solemn lesson for the day. That, that religious leaders, deacons and elders, can have a hypocritical and abominable spirit about them. So you must be praying for leaders. You must be versed in the Scripture that you're not led astray. And, and it just I just tell you, after, after the, one of the woes is uh, making a person twice a child of the devil. And it just, it bothers me that parents just let their kids go to this church and that church or over here or over there. No concern about what they might be led to do in those settings. Listen, the responsibility for your children's spiritual welfare falls on you. And you need to know where they're going. You need to know who's preaching and who's teaching. And you need to know what they're taught or you don't need to let them go. So, eight things. They made salvation hard for people. They didn't know how to get into heaven. Listen, if you don't know how to get into heaven, you can't tell anybody else how to get into heaven. You've got to know it yourself. They took advantage of, of widows by being deceptive and by pretending to be somebody they weren't. They gained followers of an opinion or of a group and not followers of Christ. Listen, what we need to be about doing is teaching people how to do exactly what Jesus told them to do when he first called the, his first followers. Come follow me. We need to teach people to become followers of Jesus. They were always plotting for gain. They majored on the minor and neglected the greater. They were clean on the outside, but dirty on the inside. They were whitewashed. They were painted up, looked good on the inside, but on the inside on the outside, but on the inside they were rotten. That's what we're talking about. We also looked lastly like father like son. There's a very good likelihood for all of us men, and, and I, I have five grandsons, and I can see this playing out in, in, in my grandsons, like father, like son, like grandfather, grandfather, father, like son. So we've got to understand that if we don't make some drastic changes in the way that we live, our children will probably be exactly like us. You know, we've, we've kind of looked at this over several weeks. If church is not a priority for you today, when your kids get to be grown, don't expect church to be a priority for them. Let me say that again. If church is not a priority for you today, don't expect church to be a priority for your children. If reading God's Word and praying and singing at home is not part of your life today, don't expect it to be the part of your children's life. And that's what they taught. Now look, we that's been found out, we that didn't do it the right way, we that not doing it the right way right now, all we can do is fix it right now. I want to tell you, I don't know exactly when Christ is going to return, but listen to me. I do know this. 
it is time for us to get serious about our Christianity. For one thing, you may have a two-year-old, but that two-year-old will be gone quickly. You don't have much time with them. So, listen to me now. This is where it begins to hit at home. Y'all with me? Listen. What we're talking about and the destruction of Jerusalem, and, and I was just reading about this morning. Did, did you know they had, they had massive walls? I'm talking about they looked at these walls and the people said in their mind, those walls will never be torn down. But yet, I'm talking about massive stones. And he said, not one will remain on another. And it happened. To the amazement of the people. Listen, Jerusalem was the most gifted, the most privileged city in civilization. Are you with me? Yet it was totally destroyed. Listen, you could well argue that for the last 200 years, America has been the most privileged nation in the world. Don't think that God could not destroy America. And I want to tell you, I fully believe that we are under the hand of judgment right now. Listen, it's crazy and it gets crazier every day. Listen, if all you watch is the mainstream media, you don't have a clue that a warped, degenerate trans person committed the murder at a Christian school in Nashville, Tennessee. Matter of fact, the last three mass killings in America have been committed by transing people. Yet they are the most protected the most privileged people of society right now. We're in America. We are not in Sodom and Gomorrah. We are worse than Sodom and Gomorrah. We are doubly worse than Sodom and Gomorrah because what we have been given and what we have been taught as Christian people. Let me say it again. It is absolutely crazy what's happening. And if Christ is not coming quickly, I don't know why. <clears throat> so, let me tell you how this is applicable today. Just as Christ was concerned about religious leaders in Jerusalem, y'all with me? He is concerned about every church having godly leadership. Somebody say amen. Every church. So why did Matthew include this right here in this discourse, right becoming right before his, his death, right before the destruction of Jerusalem? Why, why is all this right there? Well, listen to me. Two reasons. He was given these people, y'all with me? One last chance. One last chance to what? I'm glad you asked. 
to repent and turn to God. Because one of these days, it's going to be too late to repent. Secondly, he probably wanted Christians today, when we read the Scripture, to benefit from understanding the bad examples that these scribes and Pharisees were. He wanted us to see what it looked like. And it surely would be a clear warning to churches through all the ages. Just because they throw open the door, just because a guy dresses up, looks like a preacher, doesn't mean that he's not a false teacher. You need to be paying attention to what I preach and to what you listen to. So the scribes and the Pharisees were they were positioned to do great damage. Listen to me. Wow. Mm. It's fearful to think of the damage that a pastor, an elder can do in a church. They were learned in the Scripture. You know what I'm talking about? They had an MDiv, and they had a, what's the other one? A doctorate. They were well learned. But that doesn't mean they're followers of Jesus, does it? Just uh, talking to somebody uh, recently, and they were talking about the last five or six pastors that they called to come and be the pastor of the church. I'm talking about in America, in the Bible Belt. And oftentimes, they got men that pretended to be one thing and were something else when they got there. I'm talking about in America. Now, because of their learning, because they occupied, y'all listen, a position of authority, they had an opportunity to either lead or mislead people. What did he say? They sit in the seat of who? Moses. And sometimes they say the right thing, but they lead by the wrong example. So uh, just, just follow along your notes there. I'm going to read the Scripture. If you want to go back and look at them later on, you can. I'm in the exposition of, of the Scripture. The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. So you see the position that I have? I have some authority here because I'm the pastor of the church. Is that not right? They had authority because they sat at the seat of Moses. Now look at verse 6. Listen, listen as I read verse 6. Matter of fact, you're in chapter 23. Right there looking at it, right? Just chapter 23 is where we're at. You can follow along. Verse 6. Now what, what was up with these guys? They loved the place of honor at feast in the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. And they loved being called rabbi by others. Yet they were blinded and hard-hearted towards God. Are you with me? Listen, one thing you want your people, your leaders to be, are people who want to love God and be obedient to God. They want, 
You want your leaders to have a tender heart when God's dealing with them. Verse 16. Look at what it says now. Woe to you blind guides who say if anyone swears for the temple, it's nothing. But if anyone swears for the gold of the temple, he's bound by his oath. Look at this next word. You blind fools. He's talking to the religious leaders. For which is greater, the gold or the temple that has made the gold sacred? Verse 24. You blind guides, straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. So, they had their priorities all wrong. Their thinking was all wrong. And they, their, their priorities being all wrong because, listen to me, let me tell you what their priorities were. This is, this is a good word when you start looking for a church leader. What's he, out, what's he after and what's he looking out for? And if it's to be seen, and if it's to prosper, you got the wrong guy. Did you hear me? That's what their problem were. They were all about being seen, and they were all about prospering individually. I, w- I want to tell you, here's what you want your spiritual leaders to really have a heart for. That is a concern for your soul. You want somebody that's concerned about your soul and whether or not your soul is ready for eternity. So, as a result, they were on the road to eternal damnation. These leaders were on the road to hell. And they were leading others down the wrong road. They were hindering others for getting on the right road. You know what people want to hear today in America? They want to hear what they want to hear. They want to turn on the TV or turn on the radio or go to church and get a message that makes them feel good and really feel good and no concern about the sin that they might be involved in. Many people in America today, and we're there, that there's many ways to heaven. Did you know most people want Christianity to be an inclusive religion? Why? Because that would be politically correct if we were inclusive. Well, let me tell you. (laughs) There's only one way to get into heaven. And that's, that's through Christ Jesus. That's through repenting of our sins and repenting of our going our own way and turn to God in faith. That's the only way to get into heaven. We can't be in, inclusive. A lot of people just want to nod their head on Sundays towards God. Just some little acknowledgement that you are God. And then... Most people want to just go the rest of the week and live their own life. That's not Christianity. Christianity was exactly what Jesus told Matthew, the tax collector. You see all that, all that you got over there in that tax booth and all that money you've collected this morning already? Leave that behind and follow me. There's, listen, there's no promise for gain as being a Christian. That prosperity gospel that's being preached in America and all over the world is a lie. You may have heartache. 
You will have trouble as a Christian. Get ready for it. Verse 13. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. For you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. Verse 15. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel across the sea and the land to make a single proselyte. And when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourselves. <clears throat> Matthew fifteen fourteen. Let them alone. They are blind guides. And if blind lead the blind, look at the last part of that. Both fall into a what? A pit. If a person that's not headed to heaven is leading you, they're going to go to hell, and if you follow them, that's where you're going to. These scribes and Pharisees were a wretched bunch of people. And I want to tell you, from what I am hearing on the Internet about what, quote, preachers are now embracing in America and in encouraging their churches to embrace of being super inclusive and allowing people to come into the church and not only to come into the church but to lead in the church doing things that are obviously an abomination to the Lord we have got a bunch of false teachers and leaders that are leading people in the wrong direction. These scribes and Pharisees were wretched people. They did not get into the sheepfold by the door. Okay, what did Jesus say in John 10, 9? This is one of our memory verses too. I'm the door. If any man enter by me, he will be saved. And we'll go in and out and find pasture. You've got only one way to get into heaven. That doorway into heaven is through Jesus Christ and His shed blood and His righteousness. No other way. These people came in by the window. Or they came in some other way. But they didn't come through Jesus. Listen, people who... I'm so thankful... I asked my 14-year-old grandson yesterday, I said, what, makes, what is one thing that makes, Jesus, that makes Christianity different than all the other world religion? And he said the right word, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. He's the only way to get into heaven. Listen to this quote. An ignorant and unfaithful ministry is the greatest plague God can send among a people. I believe the modern church in America is under that plague. God has allowed unregenerate men in the pulpit and have have allowed those men to go there and to lead a people that's not observant, not in God's Word, astray. A 
Let's take just a couple of things about blind leaders. If you're blind, you're unable to see because of injury, disease, or congenital condition. Blind people lack perception, awareness, or discernment. Number three, this is a Webster, blind to the true values of life. You don't want a blind spiritual leader. But the Pharisees and others have worked out a religious system to allow them to benefit themselves. Listen, I want to tell you, here's the plague in America. Too many preachers want to be politically correct rather than scripturally correct. I mean, they're just jumping over one another, crowding over one another to virtue signal on the Internet that they are inclusive. They wanted personal recognition and they wanted personal gain. Five things about buying leaders. You got them right there in your notes. It's, a sad, it's sad to think how many are under the guidance of blind leaders. Now, so this is a modern day phenomenon, right? Huh? Anybody know the book of Isaiah? It happened uh, a couple of hundred years ago, right? Like 700 years ago? No, 700 years before Christ. Huh? All right, listen to this. Isaiah 56.10. His watchmen are blind. They are all without knowledge. They are all silent dogs. They cannot bark, dreaming, lying down, loving to slumber. He's talking about preachers. His watchmen are blind. Listen, it gets worse. That's the way the people want it. As a matter of fact, uh, not too long after America was founded, uh, the, the churches had already gone on a, their, their, maybe their first decline. And so, so God would send preachers uh, back to these churches and they'd go there the first Sunday and, and there'd be a hundred people there and so for the next few Sundays, they'd just preach out of the book of John and about five or six Sundays down the road, there wouldn't be but one or two people left. You want to know why? Listen to Jeremiah 5.31. The prophets prophesy falsely and the priests rule at their direction. My people love to have it so. People want their ears tickled. People want to feel good. People don't want their stove stepped on. Somebody sent me a video of the day, and I'm talking about it was the over-the-top good. It was talking about uh, corruption in uh, all phases of, uh, of society, and it was talking about uh, the Antichrist and what had to happen uh, before the, for the Antichrist to come. I'm talking about it was over-the-top good. I'm talking about really, really good. Out of all the world, only 430 people had listened to that message. Let me tell you what the, what the lost people in the church don't want to hear, and that's the truth. And listen, the only thing that will set those people free is the truth of God's Word. I'm reading from the prophets. This is that quote I was going to tell you about. This is pretty condemning. For many years past, 
large numbers of professing Christians have been demanding that the religious leaders should speak unto them smooth things. Yea, prophesy unto them deceits. That's Isaiah 30 and 10. Declining to listen unto what condemned their carnal and worldly lives and refusing to heed the holy requirements of God. In consequence, he has suffered their descendants to reap all the evil sowing of their fathers by largely withholding pastors according to mine heart. You know what I'm saying? God didn't send those people that didn't want the truth, people that would speak God's truth. He sent them people they wanted to hear. Well, listen to this. And allowing thousands of unregenerate men to occupy the modern pulpit. 1952. Unregenerate men in the pulpit. Do you know what that means? That means lost people, spiritually blind people, pastoring churches. And from, and you have never experienced this, but in me talking to churches and talking to pastors about churches without pastors, it's pretty common that they find more unregenerate than save people applying for the job in America. Instead of obeying and submitting to them, God requires His people to turn away from and have nothing to do with them. Listen, this is a teaching for us. Watch what they're teaching. Watch what their lives are. Be Bereans. Get in the Word. If I preach something that bothers me, bothers you, you ought to go back and look at the Word. If my preaching doesn't line up with the Word, you need to ask me about it. You need to watch my words, you need to listen to my words, and you need to watch my life. Number two, they're fools and blind. So in correction, I wouldn't... Surely not my place to call somebody a blind fool or a blind guide, but Christ calls them fools. Number three, they avoid lesser sins but committed greater sins, blind guides. Before they'd been called blind guides for their corrupt teaching, now they're called the blind guides for their corrupt living. What did he say? You are clean on the inside. I mean, you're clean on the outside, dirty on the inside. You're whitewashed, painted on the outside, but rotten on the inside. Now he says you're both. He gives them two reasons for this. This is the reason it happens. They're proud. Proverbs 26, 12 says, Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There's more hope for a fool than for him. They were ignorant of the things of God. They have no concept of the spiritualness of the law of God and of the gospel. They attempt to show others the way to heaven when they don't know the way themselves. Listen, the first thing a, a church pulpit committee should do is get a preacher to sit down and share their testimony and tell you how a person gets to be saved. I tell you, I bet you in America that... I, I, bet, I bet in America, if I was a betting man, I bet in America if you got 20 preachers to share with you the gospel, I'll bet you... 
over half of them would leave Jesus Christ out. Do you hear me? They would leave Jesus Christ out. Now, how do I know that? Because I, I read in books that in seminary classes, uh, they're talking about the gospel. What does the gospel include? So in a seminary class, you've got future who? Preachers. So they're putting on the, the whiteboard. They're putting up there what the gospel includes. And so they can have 20 things on the gospel. And the, 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 the professor steps back and said, what's missing from the whiteboard? Often it is Jesus Christ. Listen, there's no Christianity and there's no gospel without Christ. The church in America is in trouble. Number five, they were headed for destruction. Both the blind guides and those following them both would be involved in the destruction of Jerusalem. Wow. I, I mean, that tornado, that tornado uh, in Little Rock, that tornado in Rolling Forks, Mississippi, okay? And that one in Rolling Forks, Mississippi happened at nine, over 20 people were dead. Those were horrifying experiences. But nothing compared to the destruction of Jerusalem. Nothing to compare with what people are going to experience at the end time. Let me tell you, folks, it's going to be bad. Revelation 22.15 says this about the blind leaders and the blind followers. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and adulterers and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. They'll be outside heaven. Hell is the portion of those who make a lie and those who love the lie. That's Matthew Henry. You know what he's talking about? Those who, hell is the portion of those who make a lie, those false teachers, and those who love the lie. They both get the same punishment. Now, I will tell you, I do believe it's going to be a terrible thing. It's going to be a terrible thing to have been one that professed to be a preacher of the gospel and, 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 and you didn't. You were one of those false teachers, unregenerate people. You're going to be in hell, and for eternity, you're going to hear that other person said, why did you lie to me? There's a great responsibility for standing in the pulpit. It's almost scary to stand up here today and preach this message. Those that draw others to sin and error will not escape ruin themselves. Did you hear that? Blind leaders will fall the hardest. Listen to Jeremiah 14, 15, and 16. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the prophets who prophesy in my name, although I did not send them, and who say sword and famine shall not come upon this land. By sword and famine those prophets shall be consumed, and the people to whom they prophesy shall be cast out in the streets of Jerusalem, Victims of famine and sword with none to bury them. Now, look. Did you hear that? The destruction, death is going to be such that bodies will not even be buried. It's, it's nothing that we could even fathom. It's going to be horrendous. 
their wives, their sons, and their daughters. For I will pour out their evil upon them. The false prophets will be consumed first, then the people they lead. The sin and the ruin of the deceivers will be no security to those that are deceived. Even when led to error by leaders, those led astray will still be destroyed. It's your responsibility to be sure you're getting the truth. Now, I'm going to wrap it up here. Throughout Matthew's gospel, Jesus provides several diagnostic tests for making sure that the disciples' hearts are not hardened towards God and that their hearts are in the right place. Now, y'all ready? This is for me and you. Okay? This is throughout the book, and I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time because we've covered it in the past, but I want you to see what he always warned us about. First, he urges us to be careful about their acts of devotion to God. Listen carefully. Such as giving to the needy, praying and fasting. He wants us to be sure that those things that we do, giving to the needy, praying and fasting, flow from the heart and that we do not have a desire to be seen by and to gain the approval of men. Why are we doing what we're doing? It should be out of a great desire to please God. You've got the scripture there in front of you. Why are we doing what we're doing? Is it to be seen by men? Is it to be heard? Is it to get the applause of men? Or is it because we think that's what God would have us to do? Living for His glory. Number two, He encourages His disciples not to allow money and the temporary senses of security it can provide to replace God as their ultimate source of security. Let me just tell you this. When it all goes down, what you possess, what you own, the money that you have, when they came to besiege Jerusalem, all of that went out the window. It won't do you any good. Are you listening closely? Listen, today... I think this is our likelihood. We put our trust in the government. They're going to take care of us, right? They're not. That's what people think though, right? Number two, modern medicine. Look, one of these days, regardless of what that doctor's doing for you, you're going to die. I'm going to die. One of these days. The next thing, wealth and possessions. They will not do us any good at the end time. Not a bit. So don't depend upon that. And number three, he encourages them to focus not only cleverly deduced methods and schemes for obeying God, but the teaching of God's Word. Listen. Matthew 15, 8 and 9, I want to read this. These people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines and commandments of men. I want, to, I want to just read a scripture. I don't have it for you. Listen to this. You know, you, know what, you know what you need? You know what I need? We need the pure word of God. We need God's word 
in its truth and in its entirety. But let me tell you what's driving America today. Listen to Colossians 2.8. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit. According to human tradition, according to elemental principles and spirits of this world, and not according to Christ. Let me tell you what we're operating on in America today. Somebody's opinion with no validation anywhere for it and surely no validation from Scripture. You don't need people's opinion. You don't need to be listening and on the Internet all the time. You need to be in God's Word, and so do I. 2 Timothy three fourteen through 17 But as for you, continue in what you've learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> All scriptures breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, Equipped for every good work. Know the Word of God. Be in the Word of God. Demand that the Word of God is taught and preached. Live the Word of God. And then quickly as we, we close, some common things that we need to do. We need to work, work and focus on loving God and serving God. We need to love. We need to focus on loving others and serving others. The Scriptures validate it. It was shot, so not, not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your first, your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Matthew 23, 11, the greatest among you shall be your servant. Listen, we need to be loving God, living for God, loving people, serving other people. Amen? That's what we need to be left here doing. We need to be doing the more important things. Justice, mercy, and faithfulness. The weightier matters of the law. So here's what we need to be about doing in these last days. Just listen as I read the verses. Micah 6, 8. He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, to walk humbly with your God. Listen, my goal tomorrow is to get up and to live by, to live for God's glory, being radically obedient to His commands. That's what I want to do tomorrow. Live for God's glory, being radically obedient to His commands. Hosea 6, 6. So what does the Lord require of us? For I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice. The knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. It is my desire that we all know the only true God in Jesus Christ whom He has sent. That's what we need to do. Isaiah 117, learn to do God, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's case. Listen, God has left us a, a, a format of what we're to be about doing until He returns, amen? And look, if we're doing those things when He returns, we'll be ready for His return. James 1.27, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Proverbs 31.8 and 9, 
Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and the needy. Listen, this is a little warning. If it's all about me, y'all with me? Y'all do this right here. If it's all about me, and it's all about my little world, I'm in trouble. I'm, I will not be ready for His return. It needs to be all about Him and all about others. You, you can find it in all the Gospels. The blessed man is who makes it all about God and all about others. And listen, men, it would start with your wife, it would start with your children and your grandchildren and your church. God says, blessed is the man who serves God and serves others. That's what we need to be about doing. If it's all focused on our little world, it's going to be about accumulating things and bringing people around me that benefit me. Here. But what we're looking for is eternity. For thousands of years, the Jewish people and now the church have often been led by ungodly people. Tell me about, we're in the Old Testament, right? We're, we're about to get all into these different kings and different judges, right? The whole time, most of the time, they were led by who? Ungodly leaders. In the day and time of no absolute truth, did you with me? There was an absolute truth then. It was, it was what God's Word that they had. But we have no absolute truth today, and the chances are even greater that you could be led by a false preacher, a false teacher. Just the time that we're in. So now it's even more important that leaders and teachers in the church are well vetted. You know what I mean? Listen to me. No novice should be placed in a leadership role. Elders and deacons should be carefully chosen and should meet biblical qualifications. May God protect Maranatha Baptist Church and continue to provide for it godly men to lead it in the way of righteousness. Tom.